we're thankful that you're here today. And uh, if, at this time, if you would please pass the friendship folders down the aisle, we'd greatly appreciate that. Just, uh, just a few announcements as you're doing that this morning. First of all, our fireproof, we had that movie a few weeks ago, Fireproof, and what we decided to do is to try to get a few life groups going out of that. Uh, they're, they're groups that meet in people's home, and they, uh, they just talk about the topics that were in that movie. And uh, you don't have to talk. You can sit there and participate in the discussion by being quiet or just by being there. But we want to help you get to know people, get to meet other people in the church, build some relationships. So if you'd like to be a part of one of those fireproof life groups, please stop by the Welcome Center today and give them your name, and they will forward that on and help you find a life group. Some meet on Tuesday night, some meet on Friday night. They're all different times. And so we're excited about what God is doing in the church now. that's really the beginning of a bigger movement that we're trying to really develop is, the, is life groups to be out in people's homes all, all, all over the place, all over the week, on Monday, Tuesday, whatever night of the week is good for you, where you're getting together and you're fellowshipping around God's Word and, and actually living life together. So that's coming up here. Uh, if you'd like to be a part of one of those, please stop by the Welcome Center. And then we, uh, on Wednesday night this week, we have our Wednesday night dinner. Uh, once a month, at the beginning of the month, we have uh, the first Wednesday of the, of the month, we have a family dinner, and this is a, a catered meal in the gym. It's on a donation basis, so there'll be a bucket there, and you just put in a donation. But we'd like to encourage you to come out and bring your family and just have some fellowship, have some food. It goes from 5.30 to 6.30, and then all of our events here start at the church. Our Canopy Kids Clubhouse downstairs, our Connect students will be on, and, and, uh, and the adult groups. We have a men's group, a women's group. We have a Financial Peace University, and so some people come and just go to the mill, and then they go home, and that's, that's good. Uh, other people come and go to the mill, and then they go to the groups afterwards, and that's good too. So we'd like to give you the options just uh, to be with your church family and have some fellowship. So uh, if that's you, please sign up. You can go to our website. There's a link on our website to sign up, or please stop by the Welcome Center to sign up. Uh, but we do need a count by tomorrow so we can make sure we plan appropriately for food. And then uh, the, the other announcement is coming up. Can you believe that uh, March is this week, you know? Uh, I, I'm pretty excited about that because hopefully that means the end of snow, right? So we're, we're moving on March, and with March comes Easter. On Thursday and Good Friday, the week of Easter, March 24th and 25th, we're going to have an event here called Eyes of Faith, and uh, we have, I think there's almost 40 people in our choir that will be presenting this, and, and uh, it will be looking through the eyes of the people who were eyewitnesses to the life of Jesus, who, who saw the, the burial, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, and so we're going to have a great time of sharing that night. And this is a great opportunity to invite your friend, your family member, somebody that you know needs Christ because we're going to make Christ known and, and it'll be a great way for people to come to Christ. So that's Thursday and Good Friday. And then we're going to go right into Easter Sunday. So Easter Sunday this year is March 27th. I'd like to ask you to begin to pray about who you could invite to Easter service. Who can I invite? a family member, a friend, somebody in the community, somebody that God has laid on your heart, that you'd take a step of faith and you would invite them and say, hey, I'd like to invite you to Easter at our church, Easter at Crossroads this year. So uh, begin to pray about that. And so we're just looking forward to that. It's all coming up and a lot of things are happening. We've uh, the month, March is a busy time. We have uh, Canopy Kids is going to have a Lego race and that's exciting. And again, adults, you can race in that too, but you can't race against a third grader. You, you'll have an adult race. So you stop downstairs, and they'll tell you more about that. And so that's coming up, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. Uh, and then we also have an event coming up for our teenagers here on uh, the weekend of March the 20th. So I'm going to ask Caleb York to come up to tell us about that. And as our ushers come forward, I uh, would like to receive our morning offering. I'm going to ask Caleb to share a little bit about the event coming up for the teenagers, uh, March Madness. And then, uh, and then if you would also pray over the offering as we receive our morning offering. Like Pastor Ken said, it is March, and it will be madness as we have teenagers up here coming in. This is one of our biggest community events that we have here for students, bringing community students, and we present the gospel right here. And uh, last year, we had a huge blessing of seeing about six students come forward making a decision. We're praying for many more decisions coming this year. Not only that, we're bringing in other youth ministries to be a part, but it's a great night. It's a low cost. We're asking $35 for any student coming in. And then what we do is we go over to Eaton Park. We're going to be eating dinner at Eaton Park. Uh, we're going to the Isoplex, which uh, we'll be having our ice skating ring, turf field games. We have some pretty intense dodgeball games there. And uh, I'm pretty excited to see what Dan McNeese is going to do this year. So he 
beats teenagers like nobody's business. It's, it's awesome to watch. I will film it, I promise, and show you sometime. But, uh, and then we have our uh, AMF bowling, which is cosmic bowling. The students love it. It's a great time. It's a great draw for our community students to come out. But like I said, we get to share the gospel, and that's the most important thing, for them to know about Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. So we, I, if you would like some information about that, we do have limited information out in our Welcome Center. If you just want to grab one of those just to pass it along, maybe you know some students, a family, that you'd like to have them plugged into that event, and even church, that's a great opportunity for them to come out. So we do have some information about that out in the foyer. So let's go and pray this morning. Ask God to bless the offering. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you do. We thank you how, for how you, uh, you take care of us, how you provide for us, Lord. We just we praise you for how great you are and how uh, great your son is. Lord, we thank you for Jesus and him coming, dying on the cross for every single person that's here this morning. Lord, we just ask you that you would just uh, bless this offering that we're about to take, that we would use it to glorify you, that it would be used to continue to spread the gospel of your son, Jesus. And Lord, we're going to give you all the praise and honor and glory for everything that is done this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Without 
that you're here this morning, and as uh, we've been spending the past few weeks talking about love, what's love got to do with it, and really love has a lot to do with every area of our life, doesn't it? Whether you're single and uh, you're seeking a mate, uh, you know, love is a pretty important part of that process, isn't it? Uh, whether you're married and trying to keep your mate, that's uh, an important part of that process. Love is pretty important. If you're a parent, you're trying to express love in your family, how to develop love uh, to your children. So th- this concept of love is really an important concept. And we started off a few weeks ago with this, this whole understanding that God has a love for us. It's called agape love, and it's unconditional. There are no strings attached to his love. God doesn't say, I love you if. He doesn't put, put a condition to his love. His love is constant. His love is there whenever you're not there. I mean, he is, he is constant in his love for you. And that's, that's the awesomeness about the character of God. Uh, we said that over in, in uh, the book of 1 John, it tells us that God is love. It's the very essence of who He is. So we're trying to develop this love in our life, and, and we said that uh, we want to have that unconditional love in all of our relationships. If I could begin to unconditionally love my family, uh, they would be really happy about that. If I could unconditionally love my wife, she would really, uh, that would greatly benefit our relationship. And, uh, and she unconditionally loves me. So as we develop that, it's a, it's a pretty powerful love in a marriage, love in a relationship of any kind, um, that is so important. And then last week, we, we headed off into Ruth chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to head over to Ruth chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 19 today. But uh, what we did was we kind of set up some background there, and we said that, uh, you know, here was God's promised land. Just to understand a little bit of the background of the passage, here was God's promised land, uh, the nation of Israel. God had released his people out of slavery. They came out of Egypt, and they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. And if you look at the map, you'll notice they, they wandered. It wasn't a very far space, but they, 
It's like they just kept wandering in this little area for 40 years uh, as a mobile country. And then they come and they, they settle in on this, uh, on this land uh, that God had promised them. God said, this is, this is the land that I provided for you. It was, uh, he described it as a land flowing with milk and honey. It was uh, a land of prosperity that God gave to them. And so when you look in the Old Testament, quite often you'll see prosperity in terms of land and, and riches and wealth. And, and that's not how God's working today. But in this time, that's how he was working. He said, look, I'm giving you this land. And that's how he worked with the nation of Israel. Because the whole deal was Israel was to, was to be a nation that would gather all the other nations to himself, to bring, them to, to bring the other nations to God. And so this is how God was working. But we started with this family. The beginning of Ruth chapter 1, husband and wife, Elimelech and Naomi. Uh, they are starting out. They're just trying to live life. They're trying to function in, in, the, in the world that God gave them. They had two children, Malon and Chilion. And, uh, and these two men, two boys, uh, they, they were trying to raise a family. And so what did they do? Uh, there was a famine in the land. As the nation of Israel got slowly drifted away from God, God would say, all right, I'm going to pull the food. Uh, when you're hungry, you'll think a little bit more of me. And so he, he brought them back to himself through a famine. And, and this would happen quite often throughout the, throughout the Old Testament history. But here in the, in the book of Ruth, we see that they were, they were, it was the time of the judges. It says it was during the time of the judges, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes, which is a really dangerous situation. Uh, they were just kind of making decisions based upon how they felt and, uh, and just this whole... You know, this whole thing about, well, if it's right for me, it must be okay. And that's totally far away from what God said. God said, this is the way that I want you to go, and I want you to live like this. And, but this was a time when they were drifting. So God brings a famine to bring them back to himself. And so as they're coming back to himself, here was, uh, as God's trying to get their attention, there's a famine. But Elimelech, Naomi, Malon, and Chilion, this family... They said, we're going to do something that's going to take care of ourselves. We have got to get away from, uh, from, this, from this famine. We've got to go where there's food. And so they come over here, and they come over to the land of Moab. So they leave Bethlehem. Bethlehem, by the way, the name Bethlehem means house of bread. And so it was, it was known as the house of bread. So there's a famine in Bethlehem, the house of bread. And so they leave Bethlehem, and they come over here to this place, Moab, the country of Moab. And Moab, by the way, was, uh, <clears throat> was started by one of the incestuous sons of Lot. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 19, you'll read that was the, the name of the, the first incestuous son to the oldest daughter of Lot. And, uh, and that was Moab. And what happened was this country was, uh, was just filled with ungodliness. Uh, they worshiped a false god, Chemosh. And if you want to make Chemosh happy, you sacrifice people, you sacrifice children. So we left off last week that, uh, that, that Ruth went out, I'm sorry, Naomi and Elimelech went out there with Malon and Chilion, their family. And while they're there, they stay longer than they want to stay and they paid more than they wanted to pay. The price was high. Elimelech dies there, Malon and Chilion die there. So now Ruth is left with, with two, two wives, uh, the, the two wives of uh, Malon and Chilion the Moabite women, uh, Orpah and Ruth, and thus the name Ruth. And the, so the central character on the book of Ruth is, is Ruth, obviously. But as we're, well, there's a lot to learn from Naomi. And quite often, I've just kind of read through Naomi to get to Ruth because the book was all about Ruth. But there's so many lessons here from Naomi that we can see. So what happens is after 10 years, after she's lost her husband, she's lost her two sons, she now makes the trek back and here's the, that, there is that, that the famine is no longer there and is coming back to Bethlehem, coming back to the house of bread. But as she's making the journey, one of the daughters-in-law, Orpah, says, okay, I kiss you and I go back. She, uh, she even gives them both an opportunity to go back to, to Moab, but it was uh, Ruth that stuck with her and Ruth comes all the way back to Bethlehem, the house of bread. And so today we pick up here Naomi and Ruth are returning back to Bethlehem. Now, uh, Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, 19. Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. 
And the woman said, is this Naomi? Uh, so, so what happens here? We see she's been gone. Naomi's been gone for 10 years. 10 years. She never planned to stay that long. She got out there. She got involved. This was, this was their time away from God. See, God gave them the promise over here. This was the promised land. This was an inheritance from God. God gives them this great inheritance. And they said, we're going to go over here and we're going to take matters into our own hands. Uh, we need food. And who wouldn't do that, right? Who wouldn't just go over there? But there was a deeper thing going on. God said, I've given you this land. And so they were missing a lot of opportunities, a lot of blessing. They were, God was still trying to bless their people, but they went out for things that they thought they could deal with. And so as they go out there, she's lost her husband, lost her two sons. She's now coming back with one of her daughters-in-law, Ruth. And she makes the journey back to Bethlehem. And the women of the town said, is that Naomi? Is that Naomi? Is that really Naomi? Uh, her countenance must have been so distraught. Uh, they didn't even recognize her. She has changed so much. Everything about Naomi has changed over the 10 years that she's been out. And she has gone through so many things. Uh, she said to them, verse 20, she said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Um, she says, Do not call me by my name, Naomi. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Uh, here's, here's what happened. Naomi, the name Naomi means pleasant. That's what Naomi means. And so when she was living here under God's promises, she was, she was in the land and, and under this fulfillment of what God was giving to them, she was going by Naomi, call me pleasant. But she went out here into Moab, and while she was in Moab, she paid a great price. Uh, consider what she paid, the price that she paid. Um, she paid the price of the loss of a husband. Overwhelming price, loss of a husband. She uh, paid the price of the loss of her children. Uh, to lose a child, one of the greatest pains possible. Uh, to lose the, uh, the, the, the security, she lost her security. She lost her possessions. Everything that she had that was over here, all the good that she had, it's gone now. It's gone. She's been 10, over, 10 years away from God, 10 years away from the inheritance that God gave her. She's been walking on her own away from the Lord. She's coming back, and she, she has nothing. There's not, no land there for her anymore. No security. She's lost her status. She's lost her reputation. And she's lost her closeness to God. So all these things. And so she comes in and she says, call me Mara. And let me tell you what Mara means here. Mara, okay, the name Mara means bitter. She says, don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. And it's very interesting what she says here. She says, call me bitter. Uh, and, and, uh, and picking up in verse 20 there, she says, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. Call me bitter. For the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Now, Think about this this morning. She said she's lost all these things, lost her husband, lost her children, her possessions, her, her relationship, her, her status. Everything's changed about her life. And she's coming back, and she begins to blame other people. Uh, that's what we tend to do, isn't it? We tend to blame other people. When, we ha when things are so heavy, when things are overwhelming, it's easy for us to blame somebody else. Well, you know, and I know when I'm down, it's real easy for me to just blame well, here's something, you know, it's not my fault, it's his fault, her fault, everybody else's fault. And what she did was she started to blame God. She goes through and she blames God here this morning. And uh, in, in verse 1, chapter 1, verse 13, she says, The hand of the Lord has gone out against me. The hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 20, The Almighty dealt bitterly with me. Verse 21, The Almighty has afflicted me. So why do we blame? Why was she blaming God? Why do we often blame God? Well, who else to blame? Um, how about this? Why do we, maybe she expected God to override the consequences of her personal choices. 
Uh, you know, we, we make a decision, we come out here, and there's some natural consequences to our choices at times. And so there were natural consequences, and maybe she expected God to override some of those natural consequences. Or maybe it is that we expect God to immediately work and to change everything in our life right away. Uh, sometimes this is what happens. You know, we're, we're out here in Moab, we're, we're doing our own thing, and, and, and there's, there's issues that are heavy on our heart, things that are really big, and we expect God all of a sudden to immediately. You know, it may have taken us 10 years to get, it took her 10 years to get to that state, but maybe she was expecting God to immediately do something in her life. So she's blaming God. And she's, she's basically sharing here that she is bitter. But I'd like to suggest this this morning that not only is she in a state of bitterness, she's really, she's really depressed. Uh, think about losing a husband, losing your children. And now you've, you've lost everything. You have nothing. I mean, she is, she is at the bottom of society at this point. She is, at the, she is, she is down. And the cloud is just so great. It's just so dark. And when you think about that, don't we live there? Don't we experience issues like that where, where listen, yeah, it might have been because of my own circle, because of my decisions, or maybe not. See, we deal with things in life where we get down because we deal with, there's, the, there's my personal choices that I make, and then there's just natural things like famines that happen to the land. There's natural things that just happen to us that, that we deal with, like, like loss of a loved one, like the, the loss of a, of a job loss of anything that, that really caused us to get down. And look at what the Apostle Paul said here. The Apostle Paul talked about this because I think that we all, at some time or another, go through some form of a depression. Uh, we all get down. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10 says this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Uh, we are, that's us, we, we have these bodies, they're just jars of clay. Uh, we're pretty frail at times. And he says that we have this to show the power of God that belong, it belongs to God. This is a, a power because through us God is working. And then he says, verse 8, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed. We are perplexed but not driven to despair. We are persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. You see, there are, here's, here's the reality. As a believer, there are times that you will face dark days. There are times that you will face things that are overwhelming, and it will be dark. It's, it's hard. It's painful. But we are struck down, not out. And you see, there's a difference there. There's one thing to be down, one thing to be struck down. There's another thing to be struck out. We are not out. We are just down at times. And, uh, and, and, and then he says, always caring in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. God is working in all of these situations. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have troubles. In this world, you will have tribulation. You will have trials. But I give you my peace. Now, I would love to tell you this morning, if you follow Christ, that your life will be lily white and happy. And you'll live in this nice little sterile bubble over here and you'll never get sick and everything's just always happy all the time, right? But that's not what God teaches in His Word. God never said, follow me and I'll protect you from all harm. He says, follow me and I will carry you through. And I will be with you. I'll be with you through all those times of darkness, through all those times of harm, through all those times of pain. I will be there. And, and see, that's His promise. His promise is not... Follow me and your life will be, you know, we'll, we'll be able to race all this and everything will be happy. He says, follow me and I'll be with you as you come back from Moab. As a matter of fact, God was with them, with Elimelech, with Naomi, Malon and Chilion. God was with them even while they made their mistakes. Even while they walked away from God, God was there. And so she's coming back now, and she's dealing with, a, with such a great cloud of, uh, of, uh, of, of darkness. And you know what? Sometimes a depression in our life can be like a check engine light, you know? If, you, if, you're, if you're driving along in the car, you see a check engine light on the dashboard. You know, there, that doesn't mean you go to the mechanic and say, hey, get rid of this light. That's what I like to do, you know, because I don't want to pay anything else, you know? I, I have friends, you know, 
Ross Haney will say, I can get rid of that light, you know, and he'll put that machine on, he'll clear the light out. Uh, an hour down the road, the light comes back on, right? Why? That light is there to tell you that there's a problem. There's a problem. And so that's what happens when we face some depression in our life. Now, I understand that one in ten people in our country may be clinically depressed from time to time. Um, And I I really don't understand the whole thing of clinical depression, but I do know that it is a serious issue. And so if there there are clinical depressions, we need to to deal with that. We need to work through that and and work through that with, with a physician. But I'd like to just suggest this morning that we all go through a depression from some time or another. We all go through times that are down, dark, filling despair because the world we live in is really a negative world. Um, that's what Ruth had to face. Uh, Ruth and uh, Naomi. Naomi's coming back. Naomi is so overwhelmed. She's coming back. She's making the journey back, but she doesn't even feel good. It doesn't feel good necessarily when she walked in the door. She came in. She says, don't call me Naomi. Call me bitter. Call me bitter. I, I am just, my life is so overwhelmed right now. Call me bitter. And so God was still with her as she made her journey back. Uh, but uh, Psalm 43, 5, look at what the psalmist tells us here. He says this. He says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Uh, catch what he's saying here. He's saying, why am I so down? Why is my heart so sad? I know God. I have a relationship with God, but I am just down right now. And what he's telling us here, he's saying, right now, I can't even praise. He's being honest. He says, right now, I can't even praise. I know it up here. But right now down here, it's just so hard. And I cannot, I I don't even want to lift my head up. But because I know who God is, what's he say there? I will praise him again. I will return. I know that I will return. I know that this temporary darkness, And this darkness may last for a few years at times. He says, I know that this darkness will clear. And God, in the end, I will be able to praise him. But right now, I'm so worn out. I'm so weak. I can't even think about praising him. I'm so thankful for the Psalms that are just so honest. You know, somehow I had this misconception of Christianity that that they're always happy. The Christian people are always happy. And, and, you know, and then, then I went to church and I found out that's not true, Right? We're not always happy. Uh, we're, 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 you know, that, that's an ideal, right? This is the ideal. We're always happy. And, and God tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Rejoice in the Lord always. So our rejoicing is in Him, but there are times that, that it's just so overwhelming. And we just feel like, oh, this burden, I cannot even bear it. And it's in those times that we have to remember. We come back and say, I put my hope in God. And Lord, I didn't, I'm not able to even praise you today, but I know, I know it's coming back again. And I'd like to just give you four potential causes. There are four potential causes for when we have those depressions, when we have those times that we're, we're really down for an extended period of sorrow. And number one could be physical. Um, you know, this is an incredible body that God has given us. And, uh, and, and there are many times that we're just tired. We're dealing with physical exhaustion. There are times that you're just worn out and you're, you, you've been going and going and going. God gave us one of the Ten Commandments was to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Uh, the whole concept behind keeping the, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy was not so that we could have a day for church. It was so that your body could rest. And so that you could honor Him in that rest. And but, but God knew that your mind needs rest. You know, when our mind, our mind is greater than any computer that they'll ever build. And when we work this thing too much, God designed it that you have got to rest. And so, you know, I can do it. I'm strong. You may be strong, but that's not how God designed it. God says you need to take a day and think about something else. You need to take a day and, and, and relax and, and, and refresh yourself. And, and that's how God made our bodies. He designed us to do that way. Sometimes there are physical ailments that have just gotten us so down. I mean, we're just worn out from, from a physical issue that we're, that we're facing. So I want to encourage you as, you, as you try to identify this, look through your, through your life. Maybe there are some physical things that have just caused you to be down, and you need to take some rest. You need to look at some nutrition. You need to look at proper sleep. 
Uh, when our sleep is disturbed, we are really disturbed people. Um, you know, we, we all face these type of issues from time to time. As a matter of fact, Elijah, if you go over to the first Kings 18 and 19, you would read about Elijah. Elijah, the great prophet, he faced depression as well. Uh, as a matter of fact, he went out before 450 false prophets, and it was a glorious moment. It was a great victory. And it, isn't it amazing how after great victories we can sometimes be having one of our downest moments? I was, uh, you, know, you, you, th- you would think after a great victory you'd be sailing smooth. He was 400, before 450 false prophets. And then the, cha- the challenge was for, for Elijah to call his God to, to bring fire down. And, and, and he challenged the false prophets. And the false prophets could do nothing. But yet, God saved the day. And God steps in. And Elijah calls fire down from heaven through the power of God. And, and it's this great moment. But then there's a threat out for his life. And the next day, Jezebel puts a threat out for his life. And then he's running. He goes running for about a day straight, and he finally ends up in a cave. And he's worn out. And an angel comes to him and and lets him sleep. angel wakes him up and gives him some food. Lets him go back to sleep. The angel wakes him up again, gives him some food. And it's after this period of rest, after taking care of that body, after letting the body replenish, that then he could hear the voice of God. Then God could speak to him. So sometimes... Sometimes we're just overwhelmed and our bodies need a physical break. Our bodies need time to replenish, to restore, and and to heal. Uh, Sometimes it's cognitive. Uh, And and by the way, on the the physical note, sometimes medication is necessary. Um, If there's a physical problem, you treat it physically. If it's a chemical problem, we treat it chemically. And so do not be ashamed of depression. Let me say this. Depression is not a sin. It is a symptom. You see, it's a symptom that there's something wrong. I have a problem. I'm dealing with a problem. Naomi, in her, in her dark moments here, she's coming back. She's saying, I'm bitter. This is overwhelming. You know what? There was something wrong. She lost her husband. She lost her two kids. Uh, she lost everything. It was, it was unsurmountable from where she was at at that point. So the depression can be a sign that, hey, there's something wrong here. So sometimes... We, we have to physically, we have to get things treated physically. And then uh, there's cognitive. There's this cognitive thought. You know, I, and I like to call that stinking thinking, you know. Has that ever happened to you where your thinking is just always stinking? You're just always thinking negative things, you know. It's amazing. You, you, no matter what anybody tells you, the cup is always half empty. Uh, we get in times like that, don't we? I, I, I mean, especially maybe you lost your job. Uh, you're dealing with uh, failed relationships, you're de- you know. And pretty soon you just begin to think that everything will never, nothing will ever go your way again. That everything is always bad. Everything is always negative. You see what was happening here? Naomi came back. She was coming back. But you know what? God was with her. She couldn't see that. God kept his promise in her darkest time when she said that God has dealt bitterly with me. God had kept his promise to her and God was still with her even in the midst of all the pain that she was experiencing. Even though it might have been from personal choices, listen, God did never, never abandon his people. And God was still with her. And the promise is the same for us today. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave you, not even in your darkest time. And so that's where, where she was at. And sometimes we get to have stinking thinking. We, we have a perceived loss. Uh, we need to look at, at, at how God looks at life. See, God says, I've, you're still there. You're alive. I've provided for you. I've given you all these things. And, and sometimes we can only see the things that we've lost. Uh, there's also uh, the, this concept of a spiritual issue. Sometimes there are things that spiritually keep us away from God. And when we have this, this, this gap between us and God, when there's sin in our life, unconfessed sin, you see, we sin every day. God says we have to come before him. He says he give us this great promise. If we confess, if we say the same thing that God says about our sin, if we confess our sin to God, he, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, that's what a healthy relationship does. See, if my wife and I, we have an issue between my wife and I, I have to, typically it's me, right? I have to say I'm sorry. 
I have to come back because I'm typically the offender, right? I have to come back and I have to ask my wife for forgiveness. Honey, I'm sorry, I lost my temper. I didn't mean to say that. All right, so we come back. You know, I did say that. That was horrible. And I come back and I say, forgiveness. This is what happens in our relationship with God. When we, are, when we have this division between us and God because of our uh, unconfessed sin, it can cause us to, to be in a depressed state. Look at what uh, King David did here. Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped in the heat of the summer. I want you to consider this, that whenever we have an unconfessed sin in our life, here was David. By the way, isn't it exciting that the Bible gives us uh, characters, real-life examples of people who had real-life problems and failures before God? You know, that unconditional love that, that, that we see, we see it all over the Bible because David screwed up royally. David was king. Now, just think about this. God gave David the, the position of king, the highest position. And, and you read throughout the Old Testament, they revere King David. It's like King David. But yet, King David went out, and he had an affair, and he killed a guy. And God still refers to David as a man after God's own heart. You see, this understanding of forgiveness, there's nothing that you can do that will separate you from the love of God. And when we come back and we say, God, here's where I'm at. You know, David had to go, that verse there is David saying, look, this this is a weight heavy on my soul. Uh, go read Psalm 53. It tells you how that God, he says, search me, try me, see if there be any wicked way in me. Lord, I need this freedom. And God gives him that freedom back. And then there's also loss in general. You know, there are times that, that just loss in general. It could be the loss of a loved one, the loss of a dream, the loss of a relationship. I'll never forget, there was five years that were just really tough in my life. I, my dad died and two brothers died. It was all within five years. I was afraid to answer the phone because any time the phone rang, it was bad news. I mean, the, the steps leading up to my dad dying, it was just a constant, I mean, I was always running over there, helping him, taking care of him, and it was just like, oh, I can't take this. And it was like I had a, a cloud over me constantly. And then my brother and all the issues that were going on with my brother. And then my other brother. And so within five years, I lost three family members. I mean, you take my family picture and just cut it in half. The three, three are gone. It was some of the hardest times of my life. But you know what? God was there with me. And there was times that I had to come back and I just had to say, all right, God, I need you during these times of loss. Now, you know what? Relationships are so important. We need healthy relationships. Men need a healthy man friend, okay? Somebody who loves God, a healthy man friend. Kind of like Tim the Toolman Taylor. Ho, ho, ho. You know, we need a good man friend. Somebody that we can, somebody that will help point us towards Christ. And women, you need a good, healthy woman friend, all right? Somebody that will help point you towards Christ. And, but here's what happens. When we, we get in relationships and we, we have a loss of relationship, it's really painful to us. And that's why the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 12, he says, if at all possible, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. See, our relationships are so important and we experience the loss of a relationship. It's like, wow, this is so painful. And now, I, I really appreciate how the Apostle Paul said this here, if possible. He knows people, doesn't he? It's not always possible. But he says, if possible, as far as it, as far as it depends on your part, live at peace. And so when, when we experience these losses, it, it hurts. And so what I want to encourage you to do this morning is, all right, those, are the, those are the things that can cause these things. I want to encourage you to identify the problem and embrace it. Embrace the problem and deal with it. Uh, let me show you. Here's what happens here. Here's a typical problem that happens in our life, all right? Uh, you have a loss right here. So this is your loss. And over here is when you return to normal. All right? So here's my loss. Here's my normal. Here's what happens. You go through this period of grief. You go through this period of pain. And this is where sometimes we feel depressed. We feel like the, the clouds are so dark. It's down in here. You have to go through this. When I lost my dad, I had to go through this. When I lost my brother, my other brother, I had to go through this. I didn't want to go through this. But let me encourage you, when, even when you're going through this, do not be afraid of this. Because God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. It's right here that you can trust that promise. And it's right here that you don't even feel that promise. It's right here that your thinking will be messed up and you'll wonder everything about God. But I want to encourage you, maybe today you're, you're at this point. It's okay. It's okay not to be okay. You understand that? It's okay to not be okay. This is how God designed us. God didn't design you to have a human relationship and to lose something or someone and to never have pain, to never experience it. We have to go through this. And then we come up to our normal. But here's what happens. Sometimes when our, our cognitive thinking, our, our mind is not, we, we, we get down. And so here's what happens. We, we come here and we have the loss, right? And then we say, maybe it was the loss of a job. And so you come through and you say, okay, well, I lost my job and therefore I'll never get another one. And therefore, I must be the worst person in my company because they fired me and not the other guy. And therefore, and therefore, and what happens is we start going down into the spiral of things that are really false, things that are no good. See, this is what happened in my life. I share with you when we're talking about memorizing the Bible. I, I went through a, a period of time. My parents went through this divorce, and, and I went through all these things, and, and so I started spiraling. And I said, well, I must be. If my parents did this and I have a broken family, therefore maybe God can't use me. And I went down and I went down. And you know what? Nothing could be farther from the truth. Nothing. That's why I memorized Psalm 139. I committed to memory. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am the child of God. Um, it doesn't matter if somebody else said that, that, that you failed. I might have failed. It's okay. God still loves me. I, I don't have to perform. Do you understand that? You don't have to perform to gain God's love. Would you say that with me? I don't have to perform. Say that. I don't have to perform to gain.